So what do you want to do? Nothing. I'm just saying that if we, if, if like naturally in the editing process, you find something funny that you'd want to take out a cut and you want to save it, you can throw it in the intro sequence as a 10 oh, second, right. like goof. And then we can run into the, Hey, welcome to story or whatever. Let's try it. Let's do something funny really quick. No, don't do that. You're the worst. <laughs> Let's be funny though. Yeah. Can we be funny? I, no, not on command or demand. Hold on, I'm going to be funny really quick. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be funny too. Be I hope you're recording this. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Storied, a podcast where we take a story idea from one medium and turn it into another. So this week we're going to be talking about the indie game Inside, and we're going to try turning it into a feature-length movie. Man, that is uh, some task. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, uh, because it has no words in it. That game has no words in it. Um, so it's going to be an interesting choice to decide if the movie's going to have words or not. Have yeah. Dialogue. Dialogue? Yeah. <laughs> Dialogue. So, so I, I wanted to start by just like, so Sean and I played it a while ago, and I haven't, I haven't played it in a while, and I assume you haven't played it in a while either, but Chris, you played yeah. it really recently, so I wanted to hear about how you felt about that game. I, like, I loved it, and then, like, when I finished playing it, I was like, I kind of don't want to do this episode, because it's so... <laughs> well, should cancel, well, I, cancel the episode. <laughs> I, I want to talk about Thanks it. Thanks for joining us. Yep, that was a short one. Next it's week. So, it's something that's so perfectly what it is. Do you know what I mean? It's like... No, I don't. It's as as a game. Like, it's... It's... It works so well as a game. Do you know what I mean? Like, the quietness and the fact that so much of the design is based on just instinct and, like, and noticing things and perception. Mm. That it's like... Sh- I was like, shit, I don't know how to carry that to a movie do you know what I mean it was like yeah, yeah, sure. I don't, and then I don't want to lose what makes it good in that process and well, I'm, I I'm definitely to down to try movie. we don't have to make it a good yeah, movie that's a good, well that's actually <laughs> yeah. a thought I had direct to video <laughs> that's actually a thought I had was like maybe this is one where we explore how people fuck up adaptations you know what I mean like how to make oh, the bad cool. version of this movie well I, I had the same thought actually a little while ago because I feel like um, you know as I was thinking about this game and trying to turn it into a movie it occurred to me that like this is not a good idea <laughs> right well, you should I mean, have stopped me when I pitched this <laughs> no no but I mean like it it seems like something that Hollywood would try anyway because the game was successful mm. and uh, and yeah it, it just there's so there's it has so much working against it so we have either we have two tasks I think today one is to talk about how how it how easily it could get fucked up? Yeah, for sure. Um, and what you don't want to do, and then try and pull that back around to what. <laughs> how you about do? we just try to make a movie, and we'll let the audience decide whether we're making a <laughs> yeah. shitty version or the good. But version. I think it's a cool it's no. a cool topic. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's an interesting topic to explore. Just kind of echoing what you said, Sean, just about this game would be on paper like when I pitched it to every like to you guys, it was like, oh yeah, that sounds like a really good podcast. And then as you guys explored that a little bit more. Like shit, this is actually really hard, and I'm sure that if we were to turn it into a real movie in real life, that would be the exact process they would go through. Except they'd already spent a hundred thousand dollars on the project or a million dollars on the project for like fuck. How the fuck are we going to finish this thing? And they hired Damon Lindelof to write it. Funny, I was thinking David Lynch. Yeah. Wow. That would make that would actually be kind of cool. Damon yeah. Lindelof would be. It's all this nebulous bullshit that like has this facade of feeling smart but it's not well that just doesn't ever seem to be an actual point yeah like that's I mean like everything I've seen that that he's worked on 
uh, and maybe it's not him. You know, yeah, I would assume that at least. Yeah, I would assume that he's more of actor. But but I can't assume. I mean, it just feels like he. You know, the idea or the moment comes before the 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 whole the whole. The, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, like, I get it. Like you lose the what is the this story kind of about? Is not something that's ever asked. Yeah. It's yeah. just a, a string of I have a bunch beats. of ideas. Yeah. How, how brilliant do I think my own ideas are? Like yeah. that's kind of what it feels like every time I watch something. So, so you feel like when I when I pitched David Lynch that he would be a better choice for the Inside movie? I mean, well, I'm. Let's talk about Inside. I, it's it, it, it at and least. By the way, before you get into this, uh, we're going to spoil the bejesus out of this game. If you listen to the, up to which, now on uh, all of our podcasts, we've spoiled everything we've been talking yeah, about. So it shouldn't come as a surprise, it's, but it's definitely this still. is specifically important if you're going to ever play this game. Yeah, to just stop listening to this right now and go play it. It only takes three four hours. Yeah. It's fucking brilliant, yep. and part of the genius of it is the the surprises in the playing of it. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and figuring things out for yourself, and finding out you know like what the kind of story is that we're going to sort of the undercurrent of. There's definitely story. a meta commentary too about the medium and a lot of. I don't know if you got the second ending or not. And it's not like I haven't, there's a bunch I haven't of done it yet. But okay. this podcast reminded me I haven't done it. Okay, because yeah. I, I didn't because I, I'm lazy and I have no time. I just watched it on YouTube, mm. which is not at all the correct way to do that, but. Uh, I know what it is, so I don't know if you guys want to talk about it or not, if you know what it is or what, but we can bring it up. Um, I've read about it. Okay. I was just reading about it and happened to read about it. Like, I didn't Are you act- sure you played it, or did you just read about no, it? No, I read about the second ending. Okay. Um, and I don't know if you want it to be spoiled or not, but too bad. I would, uh... Maybe. But I would just echo that. It's not, and it's not like the game... It's not like there's any like huge twists. It doesn't hinge on that kind of crap. It's just so wonderfully developed on like intrigue. Do you know what I mean? That like, if you if we just tell you everything that happens, you're not gonna get that level of like, like the game starts and you're literally there's no, it says like start game and you just dropped into this thing with no instructions and you just start walking. Yeah. And then you walk forward and like pretty soon you see that there's guys looking for something with a flashlight and if you get caught they attack you and you start over. You know what I mean? Well, it's, it's, like, it's it it very ingeniously sets that up where you know that there is you they're looking for. Yeah. You know, like you just know that. There's no, uh, I can't remember. It might be that first. It might be the first guy like turns around when he hears you and starts chasing you. Yeah, there's a lot of moments in that game where you get caught, like, and there's nothing you can do to avoid it. You just outrun your pursuers or dodge them in some interesting way. And a lot of Playdead's games, or the other Playdead game, which is Limbo, is is based upon failure. Yeah, trial and error. Trial and error and dying a bunch. I mean, like, oh, I was never supposed to do it that way. I was supposed to double back and jump over a fence this way. And, like, there's a lot of, like, trial by error in that game. And that kind of sort of feeds into that, like, mystique of that the story. Well, as an aside, too, I feel like Limbo also was about, you know, purgatory in some way. Yeah, yeah, doing the same Uh, thing over and over again. And it it was sort of the mechanic of the game... Yeah, yeah weird. that's what I'm saying. But like, it, it 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 folded so well together that like, just the idea of having to redo things over and over again until you get it right. Yeah, is what that does thematically is. feel. Right. It's like Groundhog Day. Yeah. Except I don't want to play that goddamn game ten thousand times or however many years he was stuck <laughs> in Groundhog Day in that movie. It's like ten ten thousand years or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but to circle back again, I think to, to agree with you, Chris, it, that game has such a strong sense of place and time, and it doesn't feel the need to, like, give you the scrolling box of text in the beginning that says, like, 17 years ago a thing happened. It just sort of lets you just dive into the world, and 
by the, f- the sheer fact that you are being hunted by these people, you just the rules are set up immediately. It's like don't get caught, stay alive, continue moving from left to right any way you can. Like there are these guys; these are the other people that are bad. Don't let them see you, and then you just they just let that's like the the rules of the world are the rules of the game in that way where there is something bad happening in this world. There's some sort of some bad things happen in this world, and now there are these this force of people that are trying to capture you and do experiments on you or whatever it is and that's the story and also the mechanic so you, you learn the story just by playing the game which is really interesting obviously because it has no words so it's the only way you can get that stuff out yeah and, that, and that's what I meant by like when I was trying to say it's so perfectly what it is like it's the story is so it's, it's built so much for it to be a game do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with that. So that's where I got scared of But that's why I, I, I kind of suggested David Lynch. And, like, again, I don't know if cinematography is well as you guys do, but in my mind, that guy perfectly just, like, uses every tool at his disposal in his particular medium to tell this specific story that he wants to tell and doesn't really give a shit if you get it all. Uh, and that's how I feel about, that's how I feel about Undead, or uh, Inside, because there's clearly a story, and if you get it, cool. If you don't get it, fine. Uh, but it's there to dive into if you want to dive into it. But there's a lot of like weird imagery and symbolism and just mood and tone. And a lot of the best scenes in like Twin Peaks or whatever, or even like Eraserhead, are just silent. Like there's no dialogue and there's just stuff happening and interesting camera cuts that tell the story and set the tone and the the emotional impact of stuff. Yeah, I think you know it's interesting because um, you're dead on. I think Lynch is just he's a very um, experiential filmmaker like he everything is about what it feels like sensory you know yeah, yeah there's no um he, he, he's not interested in I mean there's a story he's telling but it's not it's more about what it feels like to watch and what it like he's, he's like, great at making like, it, yeah. he always gets he always gets a lot of credit for being um having very dreamlike and nightmarish imagery and I think the reason for that is that he spends a lot of time crafting things especially with sound he's amazing mm. with sound yeah he's actually credited as the sole sound designer in the new Twin Peaks season which it's is crazy uh, you know impressive but like he there, everything everything is is building to a moment or uh, give a feeling you know a mood and um, there's a great beat in, in Mulholland Drive uh, when you know the, they, they go to that like nightclub in the middle of the night and uh they tell you everything's fake, and then you forget. Yeah, that it's fake. We're talking about like the opera woman theater? starts giving this amazing performance, and then she just passes out in the middle of it. And yeah, and and then the, the tape just keeps going, and it's like I, you told me this was fake, but then you believe it for a couple of minutes. Yeah, and there's just like all this weird stuff that happens like that in his in his films, and I think you know, it's a good comp in terms of the kind of movie that would work uh, as an inside because what inside does really well is give you just enough information to speculate but no concrete answers yeah and you you know you can like you know the boy that you play the game as is he escaped as as one of these like one of these like husks that they have control in these factories yeah is are they rounding these people up are those people clones of some kind is he sneaking in yeah, is he is he trying to do something? Like, trying to go get somebody back? Like, there's a million. Like, is he one of them that is defected? Right. Yeah. Like, you don't know any of that. Like, but all of that is true because of that. And, and, you know. And defining it kind of would take away from the game. Yeah, you know totally, I mean? like, totally agreed. Because it doesn't. I don't know. 
Well, just like the name inside, like could mean any number of, it could mean thousands of things. And I think that that's a cool, to your point, Sean, just like the interpretation of like, is he inside? Are we inside of him? Is he inside a game? Is, is like, he's inside a factory for a short period of time. Like, is it literal? Is it sort of like figurative? Is it symbolic of something else? Like that's cool. Like just talking about limbo, like obviously it's very similar just like here's the game here's the name of the game like let all of the things about the game and it's sort of like wholeness make give you a feeling well like there's also those feeling. those beats where you like take control of another person for a while and he's being controlled by you right so like he's inside the game and then that person he's inside that person and right then there's even a place so it's like double stacks yeah where, where you, you like jump into another one yeah, yeah. jump into another one yeah. and it's like it's like layered this russian doll uh, layering and you know, is that where it comes from? I mean, there's, there. You're right. I mean, it, it's it's very interpretable. Um, I just I, all I can see when you said that is just him like stuck by his head, his scalp in that thing, and him just like doing the run motion with his legs and arms just swinging in the air. I think that's one of my favorite parts of that game, other than the incredible ending. Obviously, it's just when you attach yourself to that thing, you're just stuck there, and you're just yeah. Your you legs are still, your limbs are still moving, but you're also controlling another thing. Yeah, it's so dumb and good. It's like a weird VR helmet. Yeah, yeah. Weirdly, do you think he can see through their eyes? Or is he just a puppet? They would have to, right? Like they don't have eyes. Yeah. <laughs> well, hang on. That's no, the, that's the art style, right? Like I would yeah. assume, even though they're all faceless, I assume that the boy has like a face, just just not represented in the game. Yeah, I assume. I assume. Your assumption. You're right. It is. It's my. It's my. Um, sort of assessment of what I get out of that game. Yeah. It's just the art style is sort of simplified. Because they're all everything else about them is human. They have two arms, two legs, they're wearing clothes. Like, like Some of them are very clearly factory workers. Some of them are very clearly you know, uh, uh, janitors or whatever, because they're wearing specific outfits. But like, many of the characters do look like they were literally like molded together by clay. Do you know what I mean? So it's like a kind of, there's that there's that facelessness, but there's also like, especially like in, the, in many of the puzzles, there's, there's like zombie kind of people that follow you around, and some of them are like kind of like one arm's bigger than the other, and they assume, look like they're like oh half yeah, that's true, that's you know true, I mean? yeah, so, yeah. That's well, and then point. later in the game, you find that room that's uh, with, with the upside down water. Uh, oh, they're like chained. They're yeah, chained, yeah. like floating in the water above you. Like, and, yeah, like, they're clearly being made or grown. Yeah, I feel like there's, there's definitely that's got to be part of it. Like they're being yeah. manufactured, and so like when there's that there that puzzle where you have to like stay in step with the with the the line and then they do like the little twist and a little jump mm-hmm. and you like mirror those things what's interesting about that scene is there's clearly like the black and yellow like striped tape on the ground that's like the warning tape right on the certain squares where you have to begin doing those actions uh, and in the background is just a bunch of people and like families and kids and stuff watching this happen and so my interpretation of that was that they're actually it's like a floor mod like a demonstration of these things like like as if this is a tool you could take home and have in your house to like do like menial tasks for you um and like that's why the little like demonstration box is like watch in this box they'll jump and twist well, and you, turn and like you use them like that in the game exactly right like, so you know, i feel like a bunch but, of them pick you up and throw you in there but they're not freaking anyone else out like the rest of the people in the background are just watching this happen and being like oh interesting kind of stroking their chin and, and just hanging out together like kids family like, it's it's not a scary thing it's just a, like a completely impassive neutral thing for them do you know what's interesting that you're making me realize it's like I wonder if this is um, it's sort of a co- the whole game is sort of a commentary on uh, uh, the fear of um, uh, a, a revolt. 
You know, mm. like this one kid who's represented, he's red. Yeah. You know, he's very stands it's out. Communist. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In this world of grays uh, and, and, and deep blues, gets to this blob of people and then they're terrorized. Yeah. It's like, a, like you know, he like, he like, at the end of the game, you crawl mobilizes the, the side. Yeah, or whatever. He basically, yeah. like, breaks out this, this giant blob. Right. Of uh, which could you know just represent like a mob of you know French Revolution style just taking over yeah, yeah. and then you rampage through this factory which is you know this uh, this dictatorship if you want to call you're, it you're that. smashing a lot of stuff you're destroying technology yeah. you're like rioting throwing rocks through windows and everybody who was works there is afraid of you except for like is that one guy who like helps you like, yeah he throws door. the box to you or yeah it, but it, it feels like he's a sympathizer in a way there's Which a is, couple of them there's a guy that like there's one guy that kind of hangs out and like wants to open a door for you but if you get too close he gets scared yeah, yeah. which is that yeah that actually kind of supports that, that thought too because obviously in uh, any sort of like riot or uprising there are the people on the fringe who are like I want to help you out but I don't want to get killed I don't want to get hurt I don't want my family to be in trouble so they'll like help you out in sort of tangential way or help, help those sort of like more riotous or more aggressive revolutionaries out in little ways and then there's the the people who want to keep the status quo like all the the, the rest of the people who kind of like pull the like when you you, you know they put the little trap box and then you have to like jump for it and then like they open the floor underneath you and they kind of like trap you in the water so like right. there's the people who want to just keep re-trap you and like get everything to calm back down to the status quo I think what's so good about that game and and I think I feel like you guys are on the same page. It's like I wasn't actively defining any of it, it, it to any of this level that we're talking about now, but it all makes sense yeah. now that we're talking. We about can all it. this could all be bullshit too, but <laughs> no, <laughs> but I, I, I think that's definitely at least some of these thoughts are in there. But like it's it also it's so well defined. It's so it's it's made so well that it doesn't. You don't need to completely define it and still right. get exactly what it's trying to right. present. Just you know like a David Lynch movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, it, you know, it, it is a lot about uh, the, the feeling of playing the game is the point in a lot of ways. I mean, there's a surface level thing. I, I think that you know we could talk all day about interpreting like what is going on, what what the game is actually trying to say. I do think that would be something that would be important to get in a movie. Yeah. Make one, though. Like, what would, would make the movie about, you know, like a, a, um, a map for some sort of revolutionary idea seems like a, a pretty good comp. But, like, there's many things we could talk about. Like, there's other things that, that went on. There's other experiments. Like, there's things about, like, there's a little uh, mermaid, creepy mermaid girl. Oh, my God. Yeah. Is, is that the worst? Is that the worst part of the whole game? By like <coughs> leaps and bounds, it's the worst part of the game. Worst in what way? It, it's so stressful. Like yeah, everything else okay. in the game pales in comparison. Even like the frustrating stuff where you have to like avoid the spotlight or get zapped. Like if you have just I did that stuff dozens of times to get the timing right or crank it crank too slow or whatever. Uh, it, the, the mermaid, and it just goes to speak to the developers like they must have just play tested that so yeah. much to get the timing right because that if you know what you're doing that mermaid basically gra- like grazes your foot as you jump out of the water yeah. every time and like it's, it's terrifying inc- it's terrifying and they timed it so perfectly to make it feel like you're you're one second away from death even when you've done everything perfectly so there's that level of repetition that you're forced to do to figure stuff out and hop back out of the water and they give you that chance to sort of save yourself if you screw it up uh, 
and she kind of resets her position, so you always kind of like can like you know. Uh, you, can, you have to reset her position to get in the water. Sometimes and sometimes not. Like yeah. she will kind of like take a neutral stance in some places where you get a chance to run away from her. But like there's a, like opening and closing the doors with just enough time that you can skirt underneath the closing door that she can't come after you, and just things that you're like, holy shit. Holy shit! Like that was crazy, and it's just it's a, it's a two dimensional game, but it's just, it, you're so emotionally invested in that, and it's just creepy. And the music's amazing, like everything tonally is just like you are a, like you are a second away from getting like choked out and drowned. And it's it's crazy. And the art style is just so pessimistic too. It's yeah, like, it's, it's all dark, and her hair is really long and black, and it makes you think of like the ring or whatever, and just a creepy imagery like that. Her animates so well. The animation in that game is just stellar. There's an incredible GC talk about it. Oh really? I think it's I think it's on YouTube or maybe it's one in the vault. But it's that. it's about an hour long. They talk mostly about the blob um, and how they made the blob. But it's just it's just that itself was so fascinating. And it's, I'm not a technical guy, but they, it was pretty technical talk. But I was still really enjoying it and just seeing the amount of care and love and like problem solving they put into the blob, the huddle they call it. Um, it just like imagining that applied to everything else in the game. It's just it's so like humbling. In a way, as a as a game creator, just to see how much work they did, just to get their like legs to work right and stuff, it's crazy. Yeah, it's the most seamless animation in the platformer by far yeah. that I've seen. Um, so that that makes me want to ask a question really quickly, just to get back on track about creating a movie out of this. Like, there's there's an established world and an established story that's kind of vague, but there's some sort of bad thing has happened to the world like they have all these dead pigs and there's like worms like controlling them and freaking them out like all the crops are dying and like there's some sort of like natural ecological disaster that's happened um but people still are in suits and ties going to work at at factories and stuff so there's like an established like state of the world if we were to turn this into a a movie would we just like the easy like thing that always happens now is you just take the story and make it into a movie like piecemeal or, or like straight up uh, would we say no? This this is a world that we can then tell a different story in, and just like match the tone. Is it? I think we should do two things. Okay. I think the first thing is we should talk about how we would turn this into just a weird, uh, you know, off, you know, off Hollywood, like off Broadway, basically, uh, sort of tension machine movie, like the like the game is, like with some sort of. You know, symbolic commentary, which isn't going to be a long discussion. I feel like. I think the second one would be if Hollywood got a hold of it. Yeah. What would they? And Hollywood Hollywoodified it a lot. I think we should. Yeah, we should definitely do that second because it'll be more fun. But um, yeah, <laughs> but I think like th- there is there is a movie to be made out of this that is a uh, silent. So it's like uh, really experimental, like really yeah. Weird. I mean, just completely. Bizarre. Um, I'm into that for sure. I, that's what I would have pitched for sure as well. Make it silent. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's the I, that's the most faith, faithful adaptation that we could do of this. I think it'd be hard. Yeah, it'd be fucking. Difficult. And I think that it, you'd have to uh, potentially evaluate the length and how long it is. I don't know if it's sustainable potentially for two hours. Well, we said we'll do. We're going to try feature length, so let's just talk about it as if it was possible. Right. An hour and twenty minutes is feature length. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, the movie's the minimum amount you can have and still be considered feature length. It's funny when you mention the and we can talk about this when we get to the Hollywood vacation part. But the thing that the movie that it most made me think of the Hollywood version of this movie would be like Children of Men. 
mm. or some other like really. See, I, I'm thinking of a worse movie. Well, yeah. I'm not okay. So, but but, but tone wise, and, and we can talk about it in this part of the conversation too about like that movie got a ton of action and a bunch of stuff that wouldn't fit in this movie, but just that like really really desaturated tone and the world's in a shitty place and there's a lot of just moments of like quiet in a cabin in the woods and like trying to run and escape the authorities and they don't really have a plan they don't really know what's going on you don't really understand the state of the world or like it's never really explained why things are the way they are uh, it just is and you have to just deal with that um, that's the and it's, I'm not saying it's an exact one to one like match but that's the first thing I thought of as far as a movie that has done some sort of similar tone of like hopelessness and like you're not gonna this is not a game about saving the world I mean Children of Men ends with a kid being born and that being the kid being safe and that's being great but like just that tone of like the movie doesn't end and the world isn't great again you know it's just like this particular one story the small story has been completed um, that's the closest like an um, analogy I could think of if it's, it's weird that you say that because uh, that was Koran or Kor, that was Koran right yeah I don't know why I'm blanking yeah and I'm also thinking of Gravity um, just just because it's a similar thing, like it's and I brought it up last week, but it's it's, it's uh, <laughs> you love that. Who loves gravity? No, but so I, every single time we talk, it's about something, well, like, oh, what about if it was like gravity? It's well realized, like it's exactly what it wants to be, and it's like it's this thing where you're just watching somebody face this onslaught of obstacles. Do you know what I mean? There's almost no dialogue in that. Well, that's movie. a good comp. I mean, I was trying to think of something when we started down this road that would be a good comp and and that is one there's only a couple of scenes where like the you know the the basic opening of the movie there's they set it up yeah. there's talking there George Clooney and all that stuff and then uh, <laughs> George Clooney got, just being got everything sexy you need in space. got yeah. George Clooney got sexy in space dreamy. he's a dreamy man done that's that's um, a, that's set up for a movie but, so George Clooney clearly is the kid in this movie right yes yeah. George Clooney in a movie cast George Clooney as the kid uh, Perfect. Yeah, we're gonna do this Robert Zemeckis style. Uh, yeah. Beowulf. No. Uh, oh no. Yeah. It would actually kind of match the horrifying tone of. <laughs> there would there'd be some merit to it, but anyway. But but George Clooney would be in the suit. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just process his voice. Perfect. When he makes grunt noises. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I interrupted you. The gravity. So gravity, but like, there's not a lot of dialogue. Is the point? Yeah. It's. It, you know, it's a lot of uh, it's very cinematic in that way. And this movie, I feel like, ins- a movie based on insight could be incredibly cinematic. I mean, there's so many images that are just beautiful mm. and, and like like those those uh, giant you know machines that 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 shoot you, like have the spotlights and they shoot you. Yes, yeah. the spring loaded traps. Like there's a whole sequence out of that. There's that the oh, first yeah. time you see those and then like in the background you have to turn them on. Like it's one of those God, beautiful so like like compositions. Like and it's just so. And also, it kind of, it does add to that, like, the tone and the sort of totalitarian, like, dystopia. Yeah. It's such kind of, like, propaganda-looking, yep. like... The, the big floodlights. Yeah. yeah, and it's just so... And it's just beautiful. Like, I just sat there for a second, and I didn't just, like, let the characters sit on the screen watching these things look back and forth, because like, it was just so cool-looking, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, I think that that's a good point that... that but And it also makes me think about, when you said David Lynch, like... That feels half right. Do you know what I mean? Because David, this movie, the game is so physical. The game is so physically motivated and like momentumly motivated that I don't think that feels right for David Lynch. But at the same time, the tonality of David Lynch—it's like if you, if David Lynch somehow directed Gravity, you'd get something close to Inside somehow. You know what I mean? I've never seen his Dune movie, but I no, yeah, I haven't either. Oh man, I, I mean, you, you, he did yeah, attempt you have to watch it. He did attempt to make a. 
Hollywood movie. You have to watch it. It's so that's actually a good point. It segues to something I was thinking about while you guys were talking. Is the production design is going to be like super important because like we have so many jarring buildings and like sets and and just like images that we want to capture. Like that kind of production design, like that kind of striking, jarring, weird stuff. In in I feel like an inside movie is going to. Like you said, Chris, be half the battle, not just like the. You need you, know. you need this because if we're gonna if we're gonna make this movie uh, the way that we're talking about making it, where it's uh, it's silent a lot of like mostly, um, that's gonna that translates to cheap. You're not gonna get a whole lot of money for that. Yeah, it's right. gonna be foreign foreign financing and like you know like seventeen different production companies are gonna finance it together, uh, and you're never gonna make a dime. This but, got dark. This well, no, but, the realities of movie. And, but where I was going with that is like you need what you need is to hire incredibly talented art director, yeah, incredibly talented CG guys who are super passionate about making the project because it feels like in order to make it cheaply, you need to CG most of the backgrounds, right? You know, right? Um, or just it takes that, seventeen right. years, like Terry Gilliam's latest movie, <laughs> and not in a Star Wars prequels way. No, no, in a seamless, beautiful, like in, in the in the why I say a great art director and, and, and people who can execute on that vision is you need somebody who can make what's beautiful about the game real. Yeah, that's a good feel, point. You know, feel or or, or hyper real more likely, but but it, it but but very beautiful, very um, very attractive to look at. It's not. It's not quite there, but I keep thinking of Fury Road too, because it is, and it's really similar. It's, it's. I, I think a bit less of a first act than Gravity, but it's still got a little bit more of that. Uh, you know, setting the world up than yeah. than we would probably even want for Inside, but it does. It does have that beautiful art direction, and it. It's so good at defining the world by just hitting the ground running mm-hmm. and you figure it out as you go along it never sits there and explains anything to you do you know what I mean like, there's a lot of just, like slang and terms that you just have to kind of pick up as you go and like yeah it's just you get you get that like two sentences or whatever a voiceover that Max says at the beginning and then he just starts running from something and gets caught and you just slowly get a sense of these are the bad these are the people that have power these are the people that you're running from these are, you know, you just get looks from Furiosa, like, that t- suggests that she's going to go rogue before it happens. Yeah. But even something as stupid as, like, uh, I mean, I love this. I love that movie to death. It's, like, my favorite movie in the last ten years. But, like, um, the, there's these, those lays that are, like, getting milked. Yeah. yeah. Those giant, giant tits, and they're just getting milked. Yeah. And uh, later on, the tanker that they're driving is full of milk. Yeah. And they've already established earlier that they trade between, so the trading milk, right. which is fucking creepy and weird. But nobody stops to explain that. It you just, just is, you have an yeah. image of you know a woman getting milked, and you he drinks milk that he thinks is going to be water. And it's so weird, and it, and it's I didn't make this correlation until right now, but it's so much of that is just based on like there's like literally no resources but humans left. So like mm-hmm. they're literally just drinking the one nutritional byproduct, byproduct yeah. of a hu- of a human. Do you know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. you don't I didn't draw those dots until right now, but because the whole he's designed the atmosphere and the and the story around that kind of thinking yeah. that it just clues you in and narrows you without ever saying it. But I think I, mean? I think the strong the, the 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 thing to take out of that, which maybe you guys have already what you're already talking about, I'm just dumbing it down. But the thing to take out of that is like that strong, cohesive logic to the world where like you know the story. Like the person writing 
Fury Road knows exactly what all those things are and why they're connected and what the state of the world is and why all of these weird images are the way they are. They're not just random. They're not just weird, goofy, weird shit. They're not Same thing with, Right, but that's the thing with Lynch. Like, even the weirdest shit is there for a specific reason, even if you don't get it. Um, and the more we talk about it, the more I feel like, Chris, you're right, that, like, it wouldn't be Lynch alone to make this. Um, but it all... It ties together in a very specific kind of logic, and Lynch is a little bit obtuse, so we probably don't want to go that obtuse. But like, there is a, a state of the world that everyone that is working on the movie understands. Um, there's no, well, I don't know, it just seems cool and weird, which sometimes I feel like a lot of filmmakers can just put in weird, well, jarring imagery for the just to jar people. I think that you, you know, you're you're striding a line um, because if we're going to be faithful to the game. The movie also has to be just full of tension and action in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's minimal action. Yeah. Well, uh, or suspense. Well, there's spikes, is a spikes word. of action, right? Like, yeah. yeah. There's spikes of action, but it's just, it's suspenseful. Like the, mm-hmm. the whole thing is suspenseful. It's suspenseful, and there's a scope that is like there's giant things. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There's there's a literal visual like scale between the the main kid. And the big things that he encounters that are like tools of the opposition. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like that, and evading and maneuvering around that kind of thing is going to feel very actiony, just based on the contrast that those pieces place together. Well, the fact that he feels so powerless and he's just trying to stay alive, stay one step ahead of them. And I think that what's funny about what you said about the, the scale of things, I totally agree. But also, the game feels really claustrophobic because most of the spaces that you're in are between some floorboards or in a tank of water or... Well, it goes back and forth a lot. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, but I never felt like I was in a wide-open space ever. Not yeah. once in that game. Even when you're outside, like, everything's oppressive, the trees are really tight. I mean, it's, it's you know, you only see one one screen at a time, right? But, like, it just... I've never felt like I was in an open field. Even, like, in like the cornfield, for example, the barn, which is where the pig, the first kind of, like, quote-unquote boss thing you have to deal with is. Um, it never felt open and expansive even though these things like these massive huge structures in the background and they're like big buzzing sounds and just like horrible loud brazil-esque just like things bearing down on you all the time it always felt claustrophobic to me personally at least because every single time you're breaking through a board to, to duck into a little corner space to jump over a fence to get away from a dog to dive through a pool and now you're in a underwater it just always felt claustrophobic to me everything's dangling in your face and wood boards are always like you know what i mean everything just felt ever present in, in the game when I played it um, but you do have those like landscapes behind you of like they go on forever like the game feels very deep like in the in, off into the distance mm-hmm. um, because that is another part of it where there's the scale of it just does feel so wide but the, the play experience always felt small to me like the, the play space always felt small well I imagine that the movie would also need uh, like you have set pieces in it because like again you're not going to be able to afford uh, a lot of it's a lot of matte paintings <laughs> yeah or you, you know like those giant machines that are just pounding the earth for whatever reason I mean God only knows why uh, like you know those things you, you get torn apart by oh, the, the sound things yeah. yeah oh yeah that's, like, I forgot about that see like, I was assuming what it was a sonic doing? thing because there's those like test rooms with all the test dummies you know what I mean? Like, they're all tied to chairs, and the sound is, like, blasting through there and, like, kind of, like, wobbling around. It's a weapon. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Could have been. But that's, I mean, that's that's a set piece, though. That's a that's a thing where it's, like, that's a large... You're going to spend a good amount of your money on making that 
that good. And the rest of it is like sneaking into floorboards and crashing through, you know, wood uh, paneling uh, from the ceiling and crashing down and, and um, being in barns and things you actually like enhance with CG or whatever, but not have to create whole cloth. Uh, I think, you know? Yeah. I think that, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen 28 Weeks Later, um, if you ever yeah. saw it, but yeah. like, that movie, and I was in school, and in college when it came out, but that movie always struck me as having that level of tension that you talked about, Sean, where like, there's spikes of action and guns going off and zombies attacking people, but even in the quiet moments, it still felt really tense. Um, like, there's the scene when they escape the, the, the city, and they're resting in a like an overgrown um, child's playground, and there's no music whatsoever. Like they just had a big action scene. You thought there'd be some sort of catharsis, some sort of like emotional music because they're all chatting about their lives and the things that happened to them after the you know sort of calamity hit. Um, and there's a lot of character development in that scene. It's just so tense because there's no exhale. There's no like release of that energy that came out of that. Oh god, we just survived this zombie onslaught. And even back then, it really struck me as, like, I didn't... I felt like... At the, after I walked out of that movie, I felt like I'd run a marathon. Like, I was, like, holding my breath in periods of that movie. And it didn't give you very many opportunities to, like, reset emotionally. Like, breathe out and, like, exhale and be like, okay, I'm ready for the next big spike. And it definitely feels, just from what you guys are talking about, that's the kind of thing we want to push in this movie. Where you're never really safe. You're always one step ahead uh, from your pursuers. There's never... There's very few moments to, like... You're safe here. It's okay. You can take a moment to breathe, reassess. There's nothing to do with this. Like that's the thing. If 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 we're being, if we don't want to like introduce dialogue, right? Uh, you have to basically just keep it the story about somebody traveling through a mysterious and strange world and and having goals the whole time to kind of pull you through it. Because right. otherwise, you know, you're just gonna like. The reason that those quiet beats work is for character development and to kind of make you like these people so you care if they die. We sort of already are winning in one way or inherently people care more about children dying uh, generally, I think. So if it's, it's a kid that's starring in this, uh, we, have, we have that going for us. But there's also like, you know, we can get to this in the Hollywood section, but there's the Hollywood version is you keep cutting to a flashback. Right. Yeah. Of uh, what the kid went through throughout the movie, or you see the entire first act is the setup for this kid running, yeah. and then he keeps running into people who help him. But you know, there's no dialogue, so it needs to be it needs to exist on the strength of its um, like tension. The, t- tension. No, I agree completely. That's what I'm it's saying. Like, and, and Fury Road is a good example of this. It's like there's a lot of storytelling and there's a lot of character stuff going on between them, but there's not a lot of dialogue. Right. Um, you know, a lot of it is you, know, you you have the bare minimum of setup to care about them and understand what their plight is, and then it just rolls forward and makes you feel like you have nuts in your stomach for an hour and a half. So let me ask you this then: How would we, in a silent movie that doesn't have like nineteen one like dialogue cards that pop up, do we get the motivation for that character? Right, because in a video game. Motivation's easy, right? You don't want to die because you don't want the game to be over. Your motivation is to complete the video game and keep your character alive. So what, how do we get out the boy's motivation? How do we understand what his journey is for and what's at the end of that journey? Um, and, and again, at the end of, the, of Inside, you are a blob on the beach and it sort of fades out and that's kind of left to your interpretation. Um, 
but in this particular instance, in a, in a non-interactive medium, how do you get out what this kid is trying to accomplish? Well, I think it, it's interesting because, like, I don't think I've ever seen a movie that does this, and it might. This would be one to try it. I don't know if it would work, but and I think you mentioned it, John, that it is a kid. It's a boy, and it's depending on the strength and the cuteness of the actor. Like we kind of, the audience would kind of be on the side sooner than if it was just a guy and you'd be you know, like kind of piecemealing together what he's running from but I think if you literally started like with a frame like that was just a beautiful like a uh, composition and then like all of a sudden like you kind of like slowly push forward and like in the foreground just like the kid's foot hits the ground and starts running like immediately your, the audience is going to be like what's he running from what's happening and depending on how scared the kid is like you could kind of you could keep them hooked for a little while. You so know you're what I mean? saying like, we do want faces in this movie. I think, well, <laughs> well and, yeah, but I mean, even if he was, there was no face. You could still get. I don't think. I, yeah, faces. Scary. But I would, but I would say you I'm want, voting for faces. I would vote for faces too, but I would say you probably don't see the adults' faces, kind of like ET. Oh, style. that's cool. Yeah, yeah interesting. Uh, they're always sort of blurry in the background, or they're um, it's things are moving fast enough you don't get a good glimpse. Um, you know they're they're in shadow. Yeah, sure. Like I feel like that would probably go a long way towards keeping you grounded uh, to the plight of this character. And yeah, you can't identify with anyone else, like the game did in a way. But because they are all faceless. But that, that's still my question. Still exists, well, right? Like, how do you like at hour six or minute sixty, and yeah. you halfway through his journey? Like, how do we get that? You know, as a, so, as a viewer. Well, so I think you could. I think you could get sympathy for. The clones. I think you sort of get some anyway. Yeah. Like seeing what's happening to them through his eyes. And I also, I wouldn't be opposed to maybe adding like a locket or like a picture or something that he's carrying with him to kind of, that he looks Of the blob. (laughs) (laughs) I'd put that in our back pocket. Like I would try to avoid that. That, You've known that and you cut it. As soon as you start introducing that kind of element, you start to get into the second version of this movie. Right. But like that's the thing is that we need to, like we might need to find, we might need to dip our toe into those things because they they work. And like that's a language that viewers understand, right? They work, but they can be a crux. Oh yeah, and they can be garbage too, for sure. But what I was thinking is like, what you might do is like you you run you get that running thing that, that you, you you exhaust that he's running from something for as long as you can and then maybe he falls into something where he encounters the first like zombie thing and it's kind of like it's kind of like limp or like has trouble or something and like he gets he, he just starts to be inquisitive about it yeah. like he's like he's like trapped in a room or something with it and he like sees that it starts moving and he starts to realize that it's gentle and he kind of like touches it and you kind of have like a a, kind of like an Iron Giant moment but without the dialogue where like he kind of gets the sense that it's benign you know what I mean and it starts to help him and then like somehow he does something and it like is able to walk and it fixes him and then it just starts following him around he's like what the hell you know it's kind of like a dog you know and then like all of a sudden it helps him get out of that room right and then he falls and he sees more of them do you know what I mean and then it becomes yeah then it becomes like it kind of it'll kind of roll and snowball and he'll start to have these nonverbal interactions with these kind of things that are clearly trying to help him. And I think, have... yeah, you could add specific nonverbal stories to those characters. You know, like this guy's uh, arm is broken. He's, you know, like they have different personalities, quote unquote, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but they don't talk. They just sort of like interact in different ways. And like when they have to, when they he has to part with some of them, it's sad in a way, you know. 
Um, he knows he's leaving them behind to this terrible place we just saw them in because he can't take them with him, or they helped him get out, and that's that's enough for them. Yeah, you know, I don't know if they feel anything in the game, but I think you could. I'm, I'm talking like it's not necessarily even surface level; it's just sort of like buried a right. little bit. I, I so that actually raises an interesting question for me too, which is how much of the world do you think the boy understands in the game, right? Because he's running, so he understands the threat, presumably. Um, and there's never a rea- I mean, we don't get a ton of reactions because nobody has faces, but there's never a body reaction to seeing these zombies, we'll call them. Um, so I always assumed that he knew exactly what they were and what they were for and how they worked. Um, that was just my interpretation of it. But I mean, as far as the movie goes, it would probably make more sense where he thinks he's trying to save this thing and he, it's not moving because it's just dead weight or whatever. He learns about it that way. But it does it does raise a question about how much the boy is a part of this world. Because it's, it's left up to interpretation, right? But like, how do we present that? How would we want to present that in the movie? Well, you'd have to... And you'd have to... You'd have to create an arc for the kid. Right. You know what I mean? Like, even... It, it will be... Even in a silent... Like, if it did start... This is, like, potentially the bad pitch and, and the simplest one. But, like, if it did start, he's running. And then he runs into these things. And then, by the end of the movie, in the kind of the spirit of the game, he's, like... He's running towards the enemy with an army of guys behind him, or you know what I mean. Or he. Like, <laughs> well, no, but what I was going to say is, if we did go with that uh, revolution idea, right, as a thread, as a through line, you could see him sort of start the threads of that with less of these things, get more of them, and then that culminating in the blob. Right. If we're going to do it literally, yeah. You know, it, we could we could just take that, but we could punch that idea up visually. Yeah, I think you'd have to just sell to you know sell like, what's happening at some point. For instance, like. In, in Act 2, end of Act 2, you would have the kid uh, get help help a bunch of these um, clones uh, in order, like, right, that doesn't, this doesn't happen in the game, but having him get them into a place that they kind of just go in and get back at people. Right. And then he goes on. It's like, you, you leave, know, leave yeah, all of them yeah. in the room with the workers and just close that door on them. Right, kind of yeah, yeah. Or, or, like, that's that's the way to get through. Like, right. they, you know, they basically volunteer, and they all get mowed down. And then at the end, it feels really good because he gets the blob and just tears through yeah. a bunch of them, you know. And then ends up on a beach and, and pointless. Can we can we at least can we just at least have the exact scene where you just knock that dude out of the window, just splat him into like ragu on the floor, and just like the blood is just on your body forever? For sure. Can we just steal that scene? So everyone goes, oh, it's the scene from the game. That's my favorite scene. Oh, that's so good. So uh, we have like eh, five, ten minutes left. Um, I'll just talk about the Hollywood, the Hollywood version of this. Yeah. So uh, first of all, the blob is three hundred stories tall. <laughs> and it's the bad. So hang on, hang on, <laughs> hang on. Three hundred stories. Yeah, the kid has three hundred uh, stories. Three hundred stories. <laughs> it's like taller than the World Trade Center. It's huge. Uh, okay, and it's no. Well, what's going to happen is they're going to have the big fucking cool robot that's chasing you the whole time, and then the blob's going to be even fucking bigger than that. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> well, like, no, you roll. You use Katamari Damacy like all the other zombies up, and it gets big enough to fight it. Like it, yeah. you, it's big, and then the bigger robot shows up, and then you roll all the other zombies into it, and then it grows to the right yeah, size. Yeah, yeah. So well, like, it rolls through a city. Yeah, and picks up more people the whole time. It keeps growing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it gets. It just can like form like arms out of them. Or something. And it's not as gross looking. It's like a sexier blob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A bunch of supermodel. All right, now we're now we're touching an exec notes level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh. So going backwards though, 
<laughs> the kid has parents that die at the beginning of the movie. Yep, got to motivate them. Or like a sister or something. No, I mean, I think you should lose your whole family, right? Because that's the, like, more people equals more, more no, tragic. No, it's not even that. It's his entire, like, resistance group. No, yeah, or, or, no but it is his family, and they get caught by, like, the opposing forces, and then he's got to get inside the fucking oh, place. Oh, shit. To get and it's so, the no, title, no, no, the no, title no, is no, that, but then a bunch of bullets <laughs> through the text. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that uh, it's actually more like... His, his his mother like as she's dying gives him like a scrap of paper and says go find your aunt oh she, she's man she's in the resistance you know or whatever Fuck, and then yeah. she's like a tough as nails like resistance fighter because this mother was never power like never never good enough or never uh, never bold enough to try and actually fight back so the kid gets involved in the resistance and then he has to sneak into the factory with her and they pretend to be uh, oh man and they almost get caught a couple times so hang on so like in, in the intro would they just be in their house trying to eke out a meager existence and like fucking like jackboot dude just like puts his boot through the door and yeah it's comes like the beginning like, of Conan the Barbarian yeah though, okay like, yeah yeah he just like comes in and just like this, just lays waste to his town he's like the sole survivor hides under a bunch of bodies and like rolls well, out days later the, 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 the version of it that I think would be he's sitting there and his uh, it, like his mother is executed in front of him you know, we get, we get a slow motion down. of him going, Mah! yeah, yeah, yeah. She, it, like it falls in front of his face. <laughs> what movie is this? This is a movie. I know this it's is kind of the barbarian. It's a I'm bunch of other movies. Just too. saying that, but then he gets ta- he gets uh, he gets taken and, and escapes like on the way. You know. So okay, I got a pitch for you like, though. Yeah, it's like the beginning of the X Men movies, but not as good. Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, yeah. He, he he's like in a yes. Band. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he, he 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 somehow manages to like uh, escape the van. You know, yeah, and then he and rolls like, down like a, the hill. It's a huge action set piece where the van like like skids over the side of a bridge and it's like hanging by a tire for yeah, some perfect. reason. And then the, the 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 back doors open up for some reason, and he's dangling with what with one hand. And he manages to crawl all the way up the van to the out along the outside and like back to the bridge right before it falls. And the, and the enemies all go falling into the bridge. I got I got a pitch for you. The water. I got a pitch for you. So let's say he he escapes or he he is his family or his town or is mowed down. Right. He starts out with a white shirt. <laughs> he was just like crawling through corpses just like covers his shirt in red blood oh and that's God. why he's wearing the red shirt so good. and everybody else is not is either wearing black or white yeah well yeah because you get the black and white like Nazi imagery right and, yeah. and he's just the only one wearing like a shirt that's just like it's not fully red obviously but it's like red enough that it looks like the red shirt from and, he, and he gets away and like it cuts away from him right and then we see like a pair of like boots step to the edge of like the hill that he fell down oh absolutely and then there's like some guy with some big stupid identifiable gun you know what I mean? Yeah, like, or yeah, or he's like, like he's got, he's a very obvious dude in, the, in like a. You yeah. have to have the antagonist, right? So you have like the scar-faced dude from you know high up in the chain. And that he, he would smoke like if this were in the eighties, but now since like, no, no, he totally can because he's a bad guy. Right? Oh yeah, and then he drops his cigarette in the ground and like puts it out with his boot. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only shot. It's a shot of the boots, right? And he's got like an underling who's played by like Rob Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> you know what I mean? like, this movie took a turn. This is, now we're just, this is just Judge Dredd, the original Judge Dredd. That's movie. true. Yeah. <laughs> well, the boots. I think he doesn't have an identifiable gun. He has his boots are identifiable. That's yeah. all he ever sees. Him. He basically he just he's like under a bed or whatever. And he sees the boots. Oh my god! And the boots yeah, have good. like this, this special pair of boots that have like gold laces. Well, no, yeah, well, it's just they're, they're like like the, like really beautiful like uh, saddle shoes or something, you know? <laughs> or he, like, he's just he's just walking around the whole movie looking at people's shoes. <laughs> Show me your shoes. Got a gun he's out. under a bed neck too somewhere, and the like shoes come in, and he's like, oh, it's not them. <laughs> but, I bought a different pair of shoes. <laughs> That's the twist. That's the act two twist, actually. He's not yeah. wearing those shoes anymore. 
Yeah, he and took them off. And then he meets, like, one... wearing the same shoes all the time, man. He just opens his closet, there's, like, 17 pairs of those shoes. The kid that keeps running, and he meets, like, one of the zombie guys, and it's, like, the fucking Jar Jar Binks of this universe. Oh, no. oh yeah. Super. Oh, one, of them, one of them, he, like, he manages to, like, wake him up, and he, uh, he turns into, like, his buddy. Character. Yeah. yeah. And he just won't shut up. That's the Rob Schneider character. Why are you talking? Where did he get yeah, caught? That's the Rob oh, Schneider. Oh, I've been sleeping for however long. I'm made by this company. You know what I mean? <laughs> he gives you all the details. <laughs> yeah. Detail. Exposition. Oh, and he's got a backstory, too. His backstory is that his wife, uh, like, he... You know, you, know, this, you know how this movie ends? This He has the Randy Quaid moment at the end of Independence Day where he crawls, it, he crawls into the blob because his wife's in there. Oh, man. I'm home! <laughs> <laughs> And then they roll down. They roll through the city where they got de- demolished. That he he grew up in. Oh man! Can <laughs> we, can, so the final shot has out. to be their two hands like reaching out and like holding yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But and like and it and they win. But it's all by like slapstick happenstance. Like they're yeah. not actually trying to achieve anything. It's just God. the blob. Yeah, like, it's just the blob chaos tumbling down. Well, they, they, they the blob uh, rolls through the town and and take pull, pulls up all the evil people and someone makes them good. Yeah. Oh like, man! Yeah. Reason, they like shake it off, and, yeah. like, <laughs> and the blob, like everybody else, is like a body part is hanging out of it. But our stupid, like Jar Jar Binks character, it's just for some reason just it's his, his fucking face, face. Yeah, <laughs> so he can still talk. Yeah. Can he like use multiple hands and they all fight with each other, like slapping each other and like poking him in the eyes and like weird Three Stooges shit? Please. Oh god, it'd be so good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're, they're, well, they're handing they're handing uh, their enemies up to each other, and ripping them in half. With, oh, like, perfect. Yeah. Like, uh, well, you got him, you got him, honey? Yeah, I got him. Oh, man, he's talking, he's got like, multiple heads and talking well, to himself? Well, him and his wife are talking to each other on either side, side of the block. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, that's the tragic part, they can never see each other again. They each have one <laughs> hand, and then they somehow, like, stretch it and fucking high-five oh, each other. Oh, man. Well, yeah, and it's not, it's like, it's not, there's nothing tragic about it. What happens at the end of the movie is they somehow have managed to figure out a way that they can coexist with all these other hundreds of people, and the blob is just cute now. Yeah, yeah, it becomes a town. The town is restored, but all in one organism, right? Like, all the people from the original, like, the first scene of the movie where everyone's killed are now in the blob, and they're all living a weird fucking existence together as a blob. The last shot is definitely the kid holding one of the thousands of hands sticking out of the blob, and they walk into the sunset. No, he, the kid's in the blob. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, no, no not in this version. Oh, oh, the Hollywood version. Okay, sorry. Yeah, 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 what yeah, happens the Hollywood is, version. Okay, my mistake. Nobody's going to be happy. The kid, while the blob is tearing the town up as a distraction, the kid is uh, fighting the guy with the boots. Right, of course. And then yeah, he manages somehow to kill him with his own boots. Yeah. yeah. That he used to kill his mother. You know what he does? Is that he fucking puts his boots on the blob, like one of the feet on the blob, and then it tramples it, and like... When it rolls he over him, it just that his boot <laughs> fucking happens to push his head in the ground. So how do we get the uh, the creepy mermaid in? How does it, is that the love interest? They're not creepy mermaids. They're misunderstood mermaids. Yeah, well, yeah. She ends up being super sexy yeah. or some shit, right? Like, that's the it's the weird awkward teen romance that happens in this movie. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a romance between. Well, that the thing about so the, truthfully, the, uh, right? Like in that game, the whole time she's trying to help you, and you don't realize until you can't get away. She grabs you, and like it's that moment where you think the game's over, and she like brings you down and like plugs the thing into your chest and allows you to breathe underwater, and like the whole sequence where you're like, oh, I'm dead. Oh, she was actually trying to help me or at least make me like her so she has someone to spend time with so there is that like quote unquote misunderstood you didn't understand what I was trying to do you were scared because I was ugly and yeah. weird looking but then you got to know me and I was actually a pretty cool well, guy well you never like, see her face until she like w- like pulls the giant hair oh, yeah, out okay. of her face and she's beautiful yeah of course yeah, yeah so she's really freaky is, the kid is 26 uh, and playing a 17 year old in this that sounds perfect in this version so yeah. that they can they we're can 90210 it yeah I get yeah. it 
They're like, I can't, we can't make a 10 year old bone, can we? Like, <laughs> like, so it's just someone gotta make them older. Hey, age them up. Hey, you know uh, Johnny, can you, uh, can you check if we can make a 10 year old bone? Can we look, can someone look into that? <laughs> then he just goes, uh, no. From the other room. <laughs> Shit, everyone's fuck. I think seven different unanimous. Already shits. 17. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I guess he's seven, 18. Yeah. Sorry, 18. What's uh, Shia LaBeouf doing these days? <laughs> it would dead. star Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> he's dead? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, I can see Shia LaBeouf being the main character. Who, el- who else do you feel like we could we could use for uh, for, for know, whatever 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 20-year-old actress is on the cover of Maxim... Oh, for the girl? Yeah, that's the, the mermaid, for That's sure. the mermaid. Yeah. What about the... the, the it doesn't thing? matter if she can act. Who gives a shit? So no, we can literally get Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox. It's going to be like together. Ariana Grande or something. It's going to be... Or, It'll be someone that's really Oh, yeah, because yeah. it, it's a mermaid. It's going to be a singer. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, she has the main theme song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> it's just... It's full uh, Will Smith in Wild Wild West situation. Yeah. All right, I'm into it. This is great. This is good, guys. This is yeah. way better than the movie we came up with. We cracked it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in theaters, 2020. How long does it take to make? How long do you think to, to shoot it's this? It cost uh, uh, $250 million yeah. minimum. Yeah. Uh, makes all its money back in China. <laughs> there are 1,250 special effects shots, and uh, the budget, most of the budget is put against the blob special effects so they use it over and over again yeah well that's well yeah you actually find the blob in like the first half of the movie uh how many um how many uh like product placements do you think we can get in this movie we gotta have a bunch of like Pepsi signs and like like this old discarded Pepsi signs. Well, Coca Cola makes the most sense as a color scheme. That's true, and you can have like the like cans kicked around in the yeah. foreground. It's the stuff. only other thing that's red. And and the- oh, perfect! <laughs> wait, wait, and on all the computers are fucking Apple because there is definitely the fucking amazing scene where the kid turns on a computer and he starts reading about all the plans that the like, oh shit yeah. are doing with the people. Yeah, yeah, perfect. And it's definitely an Apple computer. It's yeah. gonna be a stark black Apple computer with a big glowy white perfect. Apple on the back of it. Oh man. And then maybe the kid finds out his mother is in the blob too, and she's still alive. Hey, mom, you in there? Yeah. <laughs> and they just oh, no, there's there's just there's, 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 yeah. She comes out of the blob <laughs> at the end of the movie, and she's like, "Thanks, son, for saving me," and gives him a, like a kiss and yeah. like some kind of like she like licks her finger and tries to rub some dirt <laughs> off his yeah. face. You know, she's you like, grown to a real good, real good man. You've grown up so now, much. Now take off that shirt so I can wash it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Oh, I love God. it. Yeah, that's well, the last shot of the movie. It's just like <laughs> rubbing a smudge off his face. And it's like, mom. Yeah. Well, then then they walk, then they they grab hands and walk off into the sunset together. But then we pan out and it's the whole blob. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love it. This that's is great, mom. Well, his dad actually it. has to die though. Yeah. 100%. There has to be stakes, guys. Yeah. Well, he has the the zombie friend now. That's his new father. And it's not his dad. It's his stepdad. Who yeah. he's just getting <laughs> close to. Yeah. <laughs> Well, his dad died a long time ago. It was what he he worked for this corporation and tried to stop them from uh, doing evil oh, things. Oh God damn it! And that's why they're on the run. Yeah, and he and well, they yeah. tracked him down, right? Yeah. Well, then his stepfather. I, then he never really like got to know his stepfather. Or he like never really accepted him as a father. So then like he gets killed and he feels like he fucking lost out his opportunity to like have a real father in his life because he was a real like shitty bratty teenager. His yeah, stepdad yeah. who tried to be a good dad to him and he just like. It's just the, it's just the yeah. fucking stepdad from or the foster dad from Terminator Two, where they're like good people and he just kind of like doesn't appreciate them and then they fucking die. There's <laughs> a good. Uh, he's like uh, running away. Uh, he, uh, like the last time he sees him, he says like, oh, "You're not my dad, Philip." Yeah. <laughs> Frank. Yeah. So how do we get the movie title into the script though? We gotta have someone say the word inside, right? That feels like a pretty Hollywood move. Well, here's what happens in the third act: the blob gets captured. 
and he's got all the zombie people, and he's like, I gotta get back inside. Okay, that's good. That's yeah. great. Yeah, they escape the factory with the blob, and then the blob gets right back inside. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like, there's a shot uh, that's in the trailer where there's 500 helicopters carrying a giant blob. Uh, oh, with like like bad like having a bat, string into, into some like enormous uh, hangar doors that that for some reason existed before this giant blob did. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I think we I think we really nailed a really good movie. We were talking about a kind of crap movie before, but this one yeah. feels like we got it. Domestic. I don't know. International probably make a lot of money. It might be too weird. But you know I who think plays the blob guy. Uh, Dax Shepard. Kevin James, though. Wow. We just went two different <laughs> directions okay, for this it, movie. Could, it could be Kevin James. Just, I was just watching so, Idiocracy earlier today. <laughs> okay, if, we, yeah. well, if it's Kevin James and it is full slack, like, there is no stakes, because that just becomes fucking, he just blarts it up all over the place, just Maybe fucking like, yeah. knocking things over and falling on his face, and just like, no, you know oh, that's gonna leave a mark, and just shit like that. It's definitely Josh Gad. It's not Kevin James, it's Josh Gad. Yeah, these days you're probably it would be Josh Gad. Got it. Thanks for listening to this. It's Josh Gad on the phone. Okay. If we can get him attached to this fucking thing, we're maybe got to <laughs> See if we can... Uh, if any of the listeners out there know how to get a hold of him. Yeah, if anybody can talk to Josh Gad and just tell him to... We got, we got a project he's going to be well excited this. about. Option it. It's called Option Josh it. Josh Gad, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, Josh Gad. <laughs> you're a fan of this podcast. <laughs> I barely know who you are. I'm sorry. Um, but you know who we are. If you listen to this podcast. Oh, yeah. He knows us. Come on. Come on. Who doesn't? This is, this is the like multi-million dollar dream machine in here, making movies just left and right. Yeah, great. This always this podcast is always going to end with us going, "Well, nailed." Somebody it. give us millions of dollars to uh, to do that to thing. Do this thing. Yep. This is probably our best shot, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I think a couple of the other ones that we come up with are pretty damn good too. This is the closest to a thing that already exists for sure. See, if Michael Bay was listening right now, we could literally call him. Um, wow and he still would give us money to make this movie because he's stupid okay wow well thanks for listening um I don't have a good way to end this podcast because I don't know what we're going to talk about next time so. well and that's it we promise, goodbye we promise we will not do the bad version next time yeah when we have the actual option to make this movie we won't do the bad one Harrison just winked yeah. <laughs> oh yeah you can't hear that like, he legitimately did wink and expected you to hear it all right. Well, goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Next week, we're going to mix it up a little bit and take the three Star Wars prequel movies and sort of remake them and turn them into a, like, a better version of themselves. So join us next week. Uh, if you have any feedback, you can follow us on Twitter at StoriedCast, or you can email us any feedback or any ideas for future shows at storiedcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.